It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Untold Story podcast. I am really pleased to have with us today Ken Cuccinelli, who is leading up the Never Back Down pack for Ron DeSantis. But you also know him as the former Deputy Homeland Security Chief, former Attorney General of Virginia, long history in Republican politics. So, Ken, welcome. It's great to have you with us today. Yeah, it's always good to be with you. So, you know what? I always like to start these by giving people a little bit of insight into our guest. So, you know, a lot of people are familiar with seeing you in Republican politics, as I said, um, as the former AG in Virginia and supporter of Ted Cruz early on. Then you were in the Trump administration. But take us back a little further than that. Who's Ken Cuccinelli? Where where are you from? And and what do you think sort of is the the foundation of, of your belief system and what's your about so um, my wife and I are kind of unusual in Virginia we grew up and lived in northern Virginia almost our whole lives till this past summer and for people outside of the Washington metro area most people move in and out of the Washington DC area so we were there our whole lives saw all that growth coming and going and and um, and I got lucky and she moved in three doors down from me when I was in high school. We <laughs> dated in high school. Tiro is her name. And um, I uh, was fortunate enough to talk her into marrying me. And we now have seven kids and wow. two grandkids and another on the way. Um, though we did move out of Northern Virginia last summer uh, for a school uh, for our last two kids, our two boys, and actually, uh, Pete Hesgeth wrote a book about education. That's right. You know, he's done a little series on it there as well with uh, with you all. And um, we found a school much that we think is a lot like solving the problem. And our kids are our priority. It's part of why I do the politics, honestly, is because I'm, I'm really trying to build a future that's better uh, for them and for grandkids who are everything they're cracked up to be. For those of you who don't have that benefit yet. So I've heard. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, yes. And, and, I, and we wallow in that, too. So, uh, so that, throwing, watching college basketball and shooting skeet and um, playing a little ultimate frisbee and you've kind of got Ken Cuccinelli figured out. That's great. Um, <laughs> you, you know, so is it a classical school that you sent your youngest to? Yes. To? Um, you know, just, just, yes. Yeah. So you, you left Virginia. Classical Catholic. Yep. Small. And they use the Socratic method. So they make them think, um, engage them in discussion. And, uh, you know, there's a reason uh, we still look back to Socrates for a lot of, a uh, lot of inspiration. And, uh, you know, that classical education, we believe, is the antidote to the hundred years of progressive success on their part of taking over the American educational system. Yeah, I, and, I think uh, we're doing are, our part. Yeah, I, th I think if I were sending my kids to school again, that's the direction that I would absolutely look in. They all went to yeah. um, good Catholic uh, high schools, but I think there's something really innovative that's happening at these classical schools, and I, and I think... Uh, 
it's great to see people have more choices in more places in the country in terms of what they can do and, oh, and where they can send their kids. absolutely, Martha. And school choice has been exploding. It's one of the silver linings of, of COVID, right? Is um, yeah, people really got some insight into what was going on in their local schools. And in many instances, they were appalled and they're doing something about it. I would also add that it also gives a sense of hope. You know, the, the hundred years of progressive success is reversible. I, I'm a I'm a movement conservative of many years. I thought higher ed was gone. Ron DeSantis actually really gave me hope. He's the first guy to really make serious dents in the intellectual domination of the Marxist left in higher ed. He's done an amazing job of that in Florida. So there are signs of hope. Um, DeSantis brings some of them. And again, it's part of why I support his candidacy. Um, but we also live them out in our own life. So let's talk about that. Um, this week, obviously, the big rollout of the DeSantis campaign, very highly anticipated right. for quite some time. Um, you know, some mixed reviews on the Twitter part of the evening. He did some great interviews yep. with Trey Gowdy and with Mark Levin here at Fox. Um, tell me a little bit about how you all feel it went. And is there anything that you would do differently? Uh, well, certainly, um Elon Musk actually brought a lot of it into focus with one of his tweets. Yeah, they blew up Twitter, um, and that has pluses and minuses. Ultimately, millions of people um, participated in the launch. Um, Elon Musk's tweet that I'm talking about said, biggest news on planet Earth today. And that was true. He was right. And um, as he often is in his little quick one-line um, summaries, but the reality is, um, a lot of us have been watching this for a long time. As a lot of people said, it was the worst kept secret in politics. We didn't know when the governor would get in. Certainly, I've never seen ever, anybody do all the things he was doing in the lead up and not run for president. So we're glad he's in. We're excited about this. I've been to lots of states already myself. I come from the grassroots and the grassroots is really excited. They like Ron DeSantis. They're excited about what he has done in Florida. People who today say they would vote for Donald Trump love Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. And it's because of what he's gotten done that changes lives in Florida and really has become the bastion of leadership for America. It's why people call him America's governor, because people all over the country are going to their governor and saying, hey, why aren't you doing this? and this, and this, and this. And he's done more in four and a half years than any chief executive I know of in eight. You know, and we'd I, love to get eight years of that kind of leadership in the White House. I, I wanna ask you a little bit, cause it's great to have some extra time in this podcast environment. And I think people, yeah. you know, explain to people, you're, you're leading the super PAC. Explain to people what's the difference, right? right between the super PAC and the PACs yeah, and question. the campaign. Because I think a lot of people hear these terms, but explain to them exactly what you you are doing and what the super PAC is. So the fundamental reason super PACs exist is because candidates have very strict donation limits to their campaigns. Only individuals like live human beings, not corporate individuals, can donate to their mm -hmm. campaigns effectively. And they are limited to $3,300, which is a lot of money for me and for a lot of people, but it does put a ceiling 
on how much you can gather from any particular person or group of people. And so you have to reach out to enormous numbers of folks. Now switch over to the super PACs. We don't have limits, donation limits. Corporations can give, American corporations can give and, and the like. Um, where the disadvantages we have are we don't get financial breaks for TV and radio advertising. The candidates do. And we obviously don't run the show. The candidate does. And we have to play follow the leader. We don't get to sit down with the campaign team and say, okay, what are we going to do today? We don't get to do that. We have to watch what they do and then sort of mirror it and amplify the, the candidates' messages. But what we're doing that's different is we are building the ground game. We're off. We're taking that load off of the campaign so they can focus on the things where they have an advantage. Martha, we've already knocked on 30,000 doors in Iowa alone. Wow. I don't think any presidential campaign has ever had that kind of personal contact this early, ever. Well, yeah, I, I mean, we're that, going to build that up, not just in the early states, but all the way through the Super Tuesday states. Yeah, I was, I was I'm glad you brought that up because I let's dig in a little bit on Iowa um, because sure. it's so important. It's the, it's the first caucus. It's the first test for these candidates. It's not a be all end all. But for someone like Ron DeSantis, right. uh, it's a huge, important moment. And that's why you guys are putting so much effort in in Iowa, as you say. 30,000 doors have been knocked on there. And, right. and it reminds me of, I remember um, covering the Obama-Clinton race, and that was a hotly contested primary between a very well-established candidate yes. and a new up-and-coming <laughs> young person, which there are parallels, I think, when you look at the Republican side of the fence right now with the former president, Donald Trump, and, and Ron DeSantis. And I remember um, hearing a quote from Michelle Obama, actually, and she said, if we don't win in Iowa, um, we're done. You know, then we're going to we're going to pack up and go home because this is a test that shows us really sort of a cross section of, of America in many ways. And you, if you can't win in Iowa, there are a lot of other similar yeah. states that you can't win in. So tell me what your folks are hearing when they knock on the door and they say, look, we want you to vote for Ron DeSantis. What are they being told? What's your takeaway from all of that? So, first of all, a lot of what we do is listen, you know, What's important to you, voter? And the great thing about Ron DeSantis is whatever their priority issue is, he's addressed it in the third largest state, in the biggest swing state, in ways that have national implications. And there just is no other chief executive in the country that has that kind of comprehensive list of accomplishments, and particularly in a swing state where you know he was being urge to move to the middle. And we're finding that his support for parents against the teachers unions and against the radical leftists trying to jam the sexualized agenda down children's throats um, and its corporate cousin, if you will. You know, most people have talked about Disney lately, but Airbnb a few years ago. Um, this isn't new for Ron DeSantis, and neither is standing tall on these issues. And that's an interesting one because the entire rest of the Republican field disagrees with Governor DeSantis on that. And he doesn't care. He isn't about, you know, gee, 
what is everybody like? He decides what he believes is the right thing to do to protect children and families and Americans, and he pursues it. And he did that with COVID, most famously, against Donald Trump, among others, who were upset that he was opening Florida back up. But he followed the science. He didn't follow the herd. And the herd tried to stampede him. Both media, so-called experts, President Trump, and many others, Republicans and Democrats. And he stood like a rock. He's not just a fighter. He has perseverance. He's a hard worker and he digs into the details. So his preparation and execution blow away uh, the rest of the field. And I worked for President Trump. I was proud to work for him. We were pursuing noble goals in terms of national security and, and illegal immigration, stopping it and so forth. Um, but the fact of the matter is we left a lot on the table and he hired an awful lot of people who were against his own agenda, and he didn't fire them when that became obvious. For Ron DeSantis, you come in because you're about the agenda. It isn't personal to DeSantis like it is for Trump. It's about the agenda, and that shows in the results. And voters talking one-on-one -on -one really respond to that because they already know, they have this general idea that he's doing a great job in Florida. They know that. He's well known. He has over 90% name ID. And he's the most favorably viewed leader, not just Republican, but leader in America today. And that has been true for all of calendar 2023. Very impressive, even with some of these controversial fights like the Disney fight going on. And voters at one at a time at the doors are responding, Martha. And we're really excited about that because we believe with him out on the trail, um, this is going to be a steady, steady climb as people learn more and more and more about all the good stuff about Rhonda DeSantis, mm -hmm. both his personal history, his wife, Casey, and his accomplishments as governor leading the largest swing state in the country. The Untold Story continues right after this. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. So a lot of people, I think, were sort of missing a moment like we saw with uh, Barack Obama when he did his rollout, walked out on that stage in Springfield, Illinois, his family, you know, attractive, young American family. And so what do you say to those who say, why didn't we get one of those last night? Oh, I think you'll see a rollout in Iowa that'll look an awful lot like what you're talking about, Martha. And, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned Obama. He was in, a, you know, where was he in May of 07? And Donald Trump, I think, was at about 1% um, in May of 2015. And um, But n neither of them had the book of accomplishments that, Governor DeSantis already has. Yeah, that's true. And he can show that he can both work bipartisanly and pound away at his own party when he needs to. He can do both uh, as well as build a coalition. That's the only way you get reelected in the biggest swing state by almost 20% and winning Miami-Dade County, uh, notoriously tough for Republicans, by double digits. 
and so, with all the down ticket benefits. And it, it was um, a historic, huge reelection for Governor DeSantis yeah, in Florida. There's absolutely. no doubt about it. And the numbers blew away the other wins that we saw across the country in what was for Republicans a somewhat disappointing midterm midterm election period. Yes. But, you know, you said something interesting. I'm thinking about Iowa. You said that, that Governor DeSantis is at 90 percent name recognition. So you look at the polls right now and our latest poll, which came out last night at 6 p.m., has the former President Trump at 53 percent, Ron DeSantis at 20 percent. So if you told me that we have, you know, there's just a lot of people we knock on their door and they don't know who Ron DeSantis is, then you might say, well, there's a ton of upside because they're going to learn about him and maybe they will change their minds. But you're also saying that he already has a huge name recognition. So how do you make up, you know, 30 percent in some cases of a, of a span between Trump and DeSantis? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, it can be a little bit deceiving. The fact that people know who he is and have this general positive feeling about him, which is very strong and widely held among Republicans. He still has the highest fav favorability ratings of anybody looking at running for president, anyone, either party. And, and we're building on that. That doesn't mean they know his wide array of accomplishments. It doesn't mean they know the details. It doesn't mean they know that he paid his way through college, and it doesn't mean they know he served in the military. You know, those kinds of things are where the building opportunities exist, Martha. And, and as I said, when we find that folks are exposed to the pieces of that history, and of his 10 years of consistent conservative fighting, uh, they get locked in. They get more excited and many of them move into his column. But there isn't a magic formula. When we're door knocking, we're literally talking about campaigning one person at a time in a country of over 300 million people. But that's the kind of dedication that we have at Never Back Down to supporting the DeSantis candidacy. And we're seeing the movement-like response to that. And we're very excited about it. This is going to be great. It doesn't mean it's going to be great overnight. Um, but that's part of his charm is he's a hard hard worker. And I do not think a lot of things may happen in this race, but Ron DeSantis being outworked is not one of them. It has never happened and it isn't going to happen in this race. So one of the things that's talked about is likability. You know, do you want to have a beer with this candidate is a measure that people <laughs> uh, often respond to when they're asked about how they feel about a presidential candidate. And there's no doubt that he is, you know, he's very solid on, on policy. He's very bright. As you pointed out, he went to Yale, he went to Harvard. He has a, a really tremendous resume, including the military service yeah. um, and the rest of it. Um, graduated magna cum laude from Yale, which is not easy to do. So, just, so don't think that he just got in on the, on the baseball, folks, because he also graduated magna cum laude from Yale. But the question that hangs over him is, you know, can he do strong retail politics? Can he connect with people out there? And can he sort of have, you know, kind of humble moments and humorous moments? Are they part of, of his ability to communicate with people? Because last night he talked a lot about policy in the rollout, but, you know, maybe there were moments to sort of show that other side of him. Tell me about your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, so I, I think those show up best in person. I was at the Heritage Foundation 50th Gala where he was the keynote speaker, and um, he was the last speaker. And when he was done, he dove into the crowd, and, and the engagement was very warm. I just observed it. And people were really ecstatic with their back and forths. And, and you know, the Trump campaign was actually attacking along these lines maybe a month ago until the governor went to Iowa, went to New Hampshire, helped them raise money. Um, in seven years, Donald Trump never raised the New Hampshire GOP any money. And Ron DeSantis came along and helped them raise $130,000. And they appreciated that, frankly. And they appreciated meeting the guy um, who's such a good team player. And it, all the reports out of there blew away the, gosh, how will he do in retail and, and so forth. Interpersonally, he does just fine. He does just fine. And I think Iowa and New Hampshire in particular are going to be the places where you see that whole discussion fade away. It'll just fade away. No one will do a report on how normal he is. <laughs> How boring is that? Um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, that's what people are finding, mm -hmm. that he's enthusiastic about engaging with them. And, and so I think that's gonna be a great strength. And Casey DeSantis is a secret weapon. I mean, she is spectacular. She's loved everywhere she goes. And she is intimately involved in pursuing her own significant policy undertakings yeah. that are wildly popular. Well, we, we so, would love and of to course, talk she's a breast cancer survivor. Absolutely. And there are a lot of those out yeah, there for her to connect for sure. with. Um, before I let you go, I want to circle back to you. And because in many ways, you are the voter that your candidate needs to convince because you worked for President Trump. Um, right. So, you know, there are a lot of very solid Trump supporters out there who think that Ron DeSantis should wait until the next time around. And President Trump is one of them uh, who says that. So just to, just <laughs> let's leave people with with your story. How did you make this conversion? Well, look, I feel very warmly about the president. I enjoyed my time. Um, working in the administration, um, no ill will there at all. I would have loved to have accomplished more. Didn't you call him more, irritable but... and petulant and childish in a recent interview? Oh, yeah. Oh, he is. He is. <laughs> but what you see in public is what you get in private. I mean, we could mix it up in the Oval Office, and, and he wasn't like, you know, like you'd expect a Bush to be, who would be offended that there anyone would raise their voice and you'd never be invited back. Um, he, he wasn't like that. That's the good stuff side of, frankly, the petulance isn't just him, is he allows that kind of rough and tumble. Now, there's a balance out there um, to, to letting the free flow of ideas and letting just chaos reign, which happened a lot in that White House and got in the way of policy. And when you put John Boehner personnel people in charge of your first round of hiring, well, and they stay the whole four years, they get in the way of a lot of meaningful accomplishment. And that was one of his failings. But that doesn't mean I don't have the same emotional attachment that lots of other people who were happy to see the president get in the trenches and fight and do those kinds of things. Um, but I've been through the process of 
thinking through what's best for America and how am I going to make this decision. I, I got a six month head start on most other Americans. They have to go through that process themselves. President Trump made many good decisions and he did many good things. They could have been done better. I'm supporting Ron DeSantis, not because President Trump is bad in some way, but because Ron DeSantis is head and shoulders the best chance for the most successful leadership for America, not for Ron DeSantis and not for Donald Trump. It shouldn't be about them. It should be about America and our children and our grandchildren. And um, Ron DeSantis and eight years of his leadership offers the best opportunity for America going forward. And people have to kind of grow away from President Trump, but there are times, frankly, he makes that easy to do. When he does the name calling and kind of some of the chaotic, crazy response to DeSantis actually getting in yesterday. Um, those things don't, they remind people of the concerns they have, the drama, as the governor puts it, that is always associated with his campaign and his governance as well. I wish it were just the campaigns. All right, uh, Ken Cuccinelli, who is leading the DeSantis Super PAC, Never Back Down. Great to have you with us. And thanks for sharing some of your background you. and thoughts on all this. And we, we hope to revisit throughout the course of this campaign because we'd love to follow the whole love thing um, with your perspective on this, Ken. Thank you so much. Thanks, Martha. You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with the Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.